Good morning, church. How you doing? Good, good. It's good to see you all. Thanks for being here this morning. Do me a favor, pull out your Connections journal. It looks like this. It's a guide for your prayer and study through the week. It's in your bulletin. Go ahead, pull it out, lift it up. Pastor Matt and I spend time on this each week preparing it for you, so I hope that you will use it. I hope it's a blessing to you in your quiet time with God each day. You'll notice that all the scripture readings and all the questions are related to the very thing that we're talking about this morning. So October is stewardship month for us, and I hope that you received in the mail a letter from the stewardship team at Timberlake and an estimate of giving card that looks like this. If you didn't, please let us know. We absolutely want every family at Timberlake, every guest and member to have one. Um, this is an opportunity, friends. This is just a piece of paper, but really what it is is an opportunity for you to talk to God and talk to your family about your commitment of giving for the coming year. So what I hope you'll do is you'll take this and talk with your family about it. I hope you'll pray to God about it and ask God, God, what is the right level of giving for us as a family? And then I hope that you will take this and bring it back to church on October 22nd, which is three weeks from now. And it's, we're going to have I Love My Church Sunday. It's going to be a day to celebrate all the wonderful mission and ministry of this church and to be thankful for what God has done in our lives and in the lives of this community through Timberlake Church. And this will be a, an opportunity for you to bring forward your estimate of giving as an offering and to give it to God, not only our hearts and our lives, but also our financial gifts. So please take that, consider it. And if you want to talk about it, I'd be glad to talk about it with you. But um, we'd lo love for you to bring that back on October 22nd. So today we are talking, friends, about gravity. And uh, we're going to have a little quiz this morning. Pop quiz. If you know the answer, just shout it out. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? So first question in the pop quiz. Who discovered gravity? Isaac Newton. All right, good. That's a little enthusiasm is good. I love it. I know it's early. Some of you are still waking up. Isaac Newton is credited with discovering gravity. Uh, it's believed that gravity existed for a few years at least before he discovered it. Um, but the story about the apple, it fell, and he, he uh, theorized that there was some force pulling the apple from the tree onto the ground. Now, Newton was a student at Cambridge University in England. Did you know that? And it was uh, 1665 in the summer that he went home and began to work on these theories. You remember the summer of 65, don't you? So he goes home, and anybody know why he left school to go home that summer? Does anybody know? This is pretty in-depth. The plague, the plague was taking over his country, so he got out of town and went away from it. Now, bonus points if you know that he not only began to theorize the theory of gravity that summer, but he also began to invent calculus that summer. And all I did in college was, like, meet cute girls. And then here's a guy who discovered gravity, invented calculus. All right, so he's got quite the resume. Uh, true or false, Newton believed in God. True or false? True, he did. He believed in God. He actually believed that periodically God would whisper to him scientific revelations that then he could share with the whole world, which, I mean, that's, that's pretty extraordinary. Okay, last question, fourth question. Uh, is gravity good or bad? Good. It keeps us grounded. Yeah, nice, nice. So it's good, right? Mostly. It's, it's bad for my ability to dunk a basketball, and it kind of keeps me close to the ground. But it's good for all kinds of things. It, it orders our world, doesn't it? And we would be lost without it. So gravity keeps the soup in your soup bowl when you're trying to eat it. And, and gravity keeps your truck in the driveway. Even when your wife bumps it with her minivan, it doesn't go flying off into space. The choir booed me at the first service when I said that. 
So it's no big deal. I'm not even mad. You know, it's, it's fine. It's just a truck. So we credit Isaac Newton with, with discerning that there's this invisible but very real powerful force that has an effect on our lives. And what I want to talk with you this morning, friends, and what I want to suggest is there is another invisible yet very real force that has an effect on our lives. And what I want to call it is financial gravity. There is a reality that we might call financial gravity. And just like Earth's gravity, it has a profound effect on your life and on my life. And in some ways, it's very good. It does good things for us. So financial gravity is that compulsion inside of us that says, you know what? Before I go buy a new car, I really need to make sure I have food and shelter and clothing. It causes us to really fund the important things in life, like ACC football, right? And it, we just we cover the basics. At least, at least we're going to pay for these things for ourselves and for the people who are, we uh, care for, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, things like that. So th that's financial gravity, um, and, and it's good. And yet, just like Earth's gravity can maybe have some negative effects, and when you fall down and hit the pavement, you know, that feels like a negative effect of gravity, financial gravity can also have some negative impacts, some negative effects. So when financial gravity pulls us toward consumerism, or toward materialism, and we get into spending habits that are not good and fruitful. You know, that, that's financial gravity pulling us into that. Uh, financial gravity is the, the kind of force that pulls us into debt and in, into financial obligations, where we get in a place in our lives where we say, oh my gosh, how did I get here? Well, that is financial gravity. And if we're not careful, it can seriously mess up our lives and our finances. The biggest problem with financial gravity is this. It prevents us from being generous. It prevents us from being generous. Friends, financial gravity is this invisible force that is pulling us away sometimes, pulling us away from God. Because you see, what God wants for us is goodness and fruitfulness. God wants for us to experience the generosity of God's abundance, and then not only to receive it, but also to do what? to share it. And we know that the way God has ordered the world, we cannot experience the fullness of life with God if we hold on to everything God has given us. It only works when we open our hands and share it. And so financial gravity is a force that's often working against that idea. It, it keeps us from being generous. So what's the big deal with generosity? Well, the deal with generosity, friends, is you cannot be a faithful follower of Jesus if you are not a generous person. These two things go hand in hand. To be a follower of Jesus is necessarily a call to generosity. Look with me at the first letter to Timothy from Paul in chapter 6. Paul wrote, command those who are rich in this present world. Okay, that's us, by the way. Okay, we are the ones who are rich in this present world, uh, particularly those who live in the United States. If you make $30,000 or more, you're in the top 4% of wage earners in the world. Get your head around that for a second. Now, you don't feel rich because you know someone who's way richer than you, and so do I. So it's easy to compare up and say, oh, that guy, he's rich, not me. But when you, we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, my friends, we are rich in this present age. Okay, command those who are rich in this present world, that's us, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous. Okay, notice, command to be generous. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, oh, if you feel like it, hey, it's cool. Command them to be generous so that, and this is the reason, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. 
Friends, one of the keys to true life is generosity. We cannot fulfill the call of Christ and be who Christ has called us to be unless we are generous. And why? Because we serve a generous God. Amen? Amen. We serve a generous God, my friends. The most uh, familiar Bible verse of all time is probably John 3.16. And it says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. Friends, God is a giver. God is a gift giver. He gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God is generous. God has given us his own son. And so then God calls us in response to be generous, to give to one another. Now, can I tell you something as we talk about generosity? It's my belief that every person in this church wants to be generous. I've been with you all a little over a year now. I've seen it in the way you talk, the way you relate to each other, the way you love each other. I've seen the attitude of this community. I know that you want to be generous. I think probably most of the people out there in the world want to be generous. We've heard the call of Christ. Those of us who follow Jesus, we, we've seen the impact of generosity in the lives of others. We've said, gosh, I want to participate and I want to do that. And so we have the desire. But let's be honest, generosity can be hard. It can be difficult to get to a place where we are practicing generosity on a regular basis. Tell me if you've ever had this experience. You come to the end of the month or you come to the end of the year and you look at your finances and you say, oh, shoot, there's, there's nothing left to give away. It's all already committed. I, I've paid my bills, you know, I put something in savings, maybe something in retirement or, or the kid's college account. And you say, I've got nothing left to give away. I would love to. I want to. I want to be generous, but I'm just not in a place where it's realistic for me. Friends, generosity is hard. And I want to suggest to you that this is the effect of financial gravity. It pulls us in this other direction. And again, to accomplish many good things, food, shelter, clothing, right? All good stuff. And yet, if we don't plan ahead, if we're not intentional, generosity can be hard to come by. So what does this look like in real life? Uh, you know, my sense is we've all felt this financial gravity. Uh, I want you to see if any of these sound familiar. These are some of the effects of financial gravity. So one is what we might call batten down the hatches. Some of us, when it comes to money, we are anxious, and we are driven by our anxiety to hold on to everything we have. And normal life experiences like putting your kid through college or going on vacation they are experienced by some of us as economic hurricanes. And our anxiety just goes through the roof when we're expected to, to spend our money or, or put it outside of our bank account. And so we figure the, the best approach then is batten down the hatches, hold on to everything I've got, and we're driven by anxiety to be cautious and to be hyper-focused on saving. And then the reality, of course, is if we're that focused on keeping everything for ourselves, then it's hard to give something away because that feels like too much anxiety. To me. Another manifestation of financial gravity is our desire to climb the ladder. I wonder if you've ever, ever felt that way or maybe known someone who tends to be the way. These are the folks um, who, once they arrive at a certain lifestyle, they say, oh, this is pretty cool, but let me, let me go if I can go see if I can go to the next rung. Let me climb the ladder. Uh, and what we find is we end up putting all of our financial resources into just maintaining that step on the ladder. And then 
Maybe you get an increase in your income. Maybe you get a raise or a new job. And you say, great. But instead of paying down your debt, you say, I can climb the next rung on the ladder. So you remodel the house and you buy a new car and you buy a new bass boat. And, and you, you're, you're continually trying to climb up the ladder. And then the idea of generosity and financial giving, well, I'll, just, I'll do that someday. You know, once the bills are all paid, I'll get to that eventually. Sometimes gravity feels like the call of the wild. For some of us, a simple trip to Target or Walmart is a, an adventure deep into the retail jungle. Big game awaits you in the electronics department. That 60-inch flat screen sure would look good mounted on my wall at home. Today, my tribe will celebrate as I come home with the kill. Right? And shopping is this great adventure until the bill comes in the mail and you realize your debt is stacking up higher and higher and getting out of control. And then when someone suggests to you about giving away your finances, it's like, ha, yeah, right. I mean, I can't even keep up with all of these bills that I've got. A fourth effect of financial gravity is an acknowledgement that some of us have less disposable income than others. So I'm thinking of you who are teachers or social workers or artists, uh, those of you who work for nonprofit organizations, human service fields. We may fall into the trap of thinking, you know what? My whole day was a gift. I don't have to give money because I give my time. All the time I give my time. And, of course, the catch is, right, Jesus asks us to give both, not just one or the other. And we know that giving money is not a substitute for giving our time and ourselves, but neither is giving time a substitute for giving our financial gift. So I wonder which of these sounds most like you. I wonder which of these resonate with you. If I'm, if I'm honest with you today, I'm going to tell you that for me, I'm probably the batten down the hatches guy. Um, because I have some anxiety, you know, about this, and gosh, if I could just have a little more money, then I'd be content, a little more money, I could be secure and not have to worry, you know, about the future. And here's the thing about all of these, friends. There is some good about each of these, right? Saving is good. You know, creating a lifestyle that works for you and your family, that's good. Giving your time, that's, that's a good thing. But we can see that if we take these, each of these far enough, the result is always the same, and that is there's nothing left to give. Because I already saved it all, or I already spent it all. There's nothing left to give. Generosity is just not a possibility for me. This month, what I want to offer you is some new ways to think about how you and I can be generous. I want to try to open up this book and teach from the Bible what it says, the wisdom that it has about what it takes for the people of God to be generous so that we can overcome this financial gravity. The name of our series is called Breaking Free from the culture of more. And I think sometimes we feel like that guy right there with a rocket strapped to our back. We've got big dreams and big aspirations, but the reality is we're sitting on a tricycle and we're probably not going to go terribly far. So maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a better way for us to break free from the pull of financial gravity. Now, one of the things I want you to know is a lot of this material and ideas have come from a friend of mine named Tom Berlin. Tom is the lead pastor at Flores United Methodist Church in Herndon, Virginia. And he's written some stewardship materials that are wonderful. And so I'm taking, I'm borrowing, stealing his ideas. And uh, he told me it was fine. He said, yeah, go ahead. So, so here it is. This, a lot of this is from my friend Tom, and I'm grateful to him for that. So let's read a story from the scripture this morning. I want to read you a story about a young man 
And this is from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. What I want you to listen for as we read is this. Listen for the tension in the story between financial gravity pulling him in one direction and the call of Christ to be generous pulling him in a different direction. Okay? Listen to this. Then someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And the young man said, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect. Now notice that word perfect. In a lot of translations, it actually says complete. If you wish to be complete. In other words, if you wish to have everything from God, the fullness of life with God. If you wish to be complete, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Here's a young man who wants to live a godly life, right? Here's the young man who has kept the commandments of God his whole life, and now he senses in this encounter with Jesus, he might go deeper. He, he might go further in his walk. He understands there's something special about Jesus. This is not just a regular teacher or prophet. Something special about this person he has encountered who is full of the Holy Spirit. And yet, he walked away, didn't he? He walked away from Jesus, and I want you to, to realize all of what he left behind, all of what he let go of walking away from Jesus. Jesus offers this young man a once-in-a-lifetime offer to be a disciple. Like, you can follow me. You know, this guy's name would go down in history as one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus Christ. He would have been able to follow Jesus, to hear him teach every day, to see the miracles, to participate in this new community called the church. But he walked away. Now, why? Why did he do that? Why do you suppose? I think it's because he was unwilling to give up his financial wealth. He was clinging so tightly to these earthly treasures that he was willing to give up treasure in heaven. That was the one thing. Jesus said, that's the only thing that you lack is a willingness to let go of that. And I think some of us, the, the same thing happens to us, and, and thankfully Jesus doesn't necessarily ask us to give up everything, but he does ask us to give up something. And, and I think it's like when, you're, when we're baptized, some of us, uh, we go down in the water, so we take our wallet, and we hold the wallet up out of the water, right? So you're like, shh, the water washes over you, but not the wallet. And you say, Jesus, I give you my heart, you know, I'll give you my life, Jesus, I'll give you my time, you know, but this, my money, you know, that, that's mine, because I earned it. You know, I went to work. You know, this wasn't, didn't just fall out of the sky. I earned it. And we're willing to give over everything to Jesus except, except for that. Friends, this is the challenge for those of us who would follow Jesus. And what I want to suggest to you is he's not asking us necessarily to give up everything. Because I think sometimes we read a story like this and we say, okay, sure. What do you think, Pastor? Am I supposed to go sell my house this afternoon and give up everything and tell my kids, sorry about your luck, you know, fend for yourselves? Uh, no, that's not necessarily what Jesus is calling you. Jesus called this young man to that life. 
You notice in his other encounters with people, Jesus doesn't usually ask people to do that. Occasionally, yes, but most of the time, no. And so maybe you and I can be thankful this morning that Jesus hasn't asked us to give up all of our possessions. That's good, right? Thank you, Jesus, that you haven't asked us to do that. But he does ask you to make a decision. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve yourself? And are you going to use your finances that you have received to serve God or to serve yourself? That is a question that all of us have to wrestle with. That is a question that this young man wrestled with. And I want you to notice as he walked away, how, what was his emotional state? He went away grieving. He was sad. He was sad. Why? Because he had many possessions. I think even he realized in that moment, here's this incredible thing. I, I just can't bring myself to say yes to it because all this stuff is holding me back. He went away grieving. You know, he was torn. When, when you encounter Jesus, friends, that you get a glimpse of something new and different. When you have a real encounter with Jesus, you see what is possible like never before. And so that's what happened to this young man. He caught a glimpse of something different for his life. And yet that pull, that pull of financial gravity was pulling him back into the old life, pulling him back toward materialism and, and consumerism. Now, if you haven't noticed by now as we're talking, please notice right now, friends, this is our story, right? This is our story. We are the young man in the story, and we have heard the invitation to come and follow Jesus, and at the same time, we've felt that pull of financial gravity, and we've realized every day we have to make a decision. Am I going to serve God today, or am I going to serve myself? Am I going to serve Jesus today, or am I going to serve wealth and money? We have to decide, friends, will I live in the kingdom of Brad or will I live in the kingdom of God? You see, all of us have an opportunity. We can live one place or the other. And the kingdom of self is wonderful, right? The kingdom of self is my own little world. The kingdom of self is the world as, as I see it. And the kingdom of self is above all comfortable. Because I have created it. And it is exactly the way I want it to be. And I choose my friends, and I hang out with the people I want to hang out with, and I don't hang out with the people that I don't want to hang out with. And I call all the shots, and it is great. And not surprisingly, the kingdom of self is ruled by financial gravity. But you know what, friends? There is another way of living. There is another way to be in the world, and that is called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is what Jesus came preaching and came bringing in his own person. He said, the kingdom of God is near, and so repent. Turn around. Go the other way. Believe in the good news. Believe that this new thing is possible. Friends, Jesus is inviting us to participate in the new thing that God is doing in the world and in this community. And I want to suggest to you that when we look for healing and when we look for forgiveness and when we look for abundance... We're only going to find that in the kingdom of God. We are not going to find that in the kingdom of self. It's just not there. So when we want healing, we have to go find it in the kingdom of God. And when we want forgiveness, we have to go find it in the kingdom of God. And we want abundance and the life that is truly life. We have to go find that in the kingdom of God. You see, gravity is, is pulling us always into ourselves to be more self-focused, to be more selfish. But Jesus is calling us outside of ourselves 
to notice the needs of our neighbors, to love God more than we love ourselves. And when we see what is possible, my friends, it is compelling. It is exciting to be a part of it. And, and a sermon about money no longer feels like this weight. Okay, I've got to endure this. The pastor's going to make me listen to a sermon about money. No. When we catch a glimpse of what is possible, we say, wow, I cannot wait to find opportunities to be generous with other people. I cannot wait to share with others what God has given to me. And so this is the question for you today. In the story, when Jesus makes the offer to the young man, he says, no, no thanks. And he walks away. So the question is, when Jesus makes that offer to you, when Jesus offers you the kingdom of God, would you say yes to that? Would you say yes to that today?